What is up, everybody? It is this Train Wreck Sports podcast where we are here to pay the bills, sponsored by Outlet Liquor. Jake Micah here with Mike Partham. And Mike, what a, what a, what a victory t- Thursday this, this is. Victory Thursday. I got my days all mixed up. It's been a crazy week because that was – I'm still – I'm watching Get Up this morning. And as you know, their Get Up's main character, the Dallas Cowboys, have to get mentioned. And I just get, get to keep seeing videos of James Cook running all over the Dallas Cowboys in a wet, rainy Western New York uh, from last Sunday. It is Victory Thursday. The Bills beat the Cowboys 31-10, to 10, Mike. And, I mean, I think when we were discussing this game last week, we thought it would be close, but I think we had a decent amount of comp. I don't remember if you picked the Bills or the Cowboys in the predictions. I don't remember my predictions. That's why I just make them at the end, and I don't even – I'm just like, ah, whatever. Like, can't hold me too accountable to it. But that was a beatdown. I don't think I was expecting anything like that. The Bills just dominated the trenches all day. We know James Cook's stats. We'll talk about him in a minute. But what was – it was a g- game of thumb – like, if we're talking ups and downs, thumbs up, thumbs down article, basically all thumbs up from this one. So what was the most encouraging thing you saw Sunday? Well, hang on. I think we got some uh, breaking news just now. Uh, oh, jeez. I believe James Cook has just broken another 10-yard run against the Cowboys. <laughs> He's still going. <laughs> let me let me ask you something, Jake. Did you ever get a a class an A in a class project that you didn't have a hand in? Um, I guess that would be a difference of opinion between my project mates or myself. But <laughs> <laughs> feels good though, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, as long as your uh, classmates don't mind you having along for the ride and basically just sitting back and watching the show. I mean. We have not seen a rushing performance like that since, I mean, the Bills have had traditionally some good running backs come through this town, whether it's LaShawn McCoy or uh, um, blanking. I, I usually blank here. Uh, well, Travis Henry is the last the last Bill to win offense or last Bills running back to win offensive player of the week. 2002. crazy to think. Yeah. yeah. And we've got, you know, to help with you with your name. Because I'm I, on the spot names is not my – expertise but marshawn lynch Willis yes Gage, that is the name i was thinking like, of fred jackson we've had some we've had yeah. some guys here but yeah james cook putting out a performance that we haven't seen in 21 years it's traditionally kind of, those are the only crazy. guys we have here is that running back you know, we have a steady nice little running back and a quarterback that you can win games with 
Yeah. Well, now here's a running back you can win games with, apparently, at least against a very light front. We'll get into that a little bit. Yeah, it was uh, it was something I've honestly – it's been the vision of this Bills team, right? Like, clearly this is – they've set, given so many assets, whether people agreed with the picks or not. Obviously, it didn't seem to work out when you pick a Devin Singletary early in the draft, day two. You pick a Zach Moss, day two, early in the draft. You could see what McDermott – has wanted to have with his vision. And it feels like James Cook doesn't even really fit the mold of what he would think a traditional running attack would be. And that's, I think, why he didn't get, he was in the dot, like as we talked about in the last couple of weeks, he was in the doghouse quick in a couple of these games where we're like, man, really would have just liked him to just be on the field because he's really good. And now it feels like with the timing of Joe Brady coming in too, which Joe Brady obviously had experience coaching up uh, Christian McCaffrey and, all these weapons around this Panthers offense. And you look at that team and he see, you see, I'm not saying James Cook is Christian McCaffrey, but the way that the bills are using him right now is just making him a weapon like that, where in the receiving game, he's fifth in the league and in, in receiving yards for a running back. And he's second in the league in rushing. Like that is a special talent. The likes of all the names that we just mentioned, you know, in the bills past. I mean, I guess shady is probably the, still the tier, top tier of this, but he's up there in that conversation with the skill level and production that Shady was putting up too. And to pair that with what Josh Allen's been able to do up until that last game where he just really didn't have to do anything, it's terrifying down the stretch if you're an opposing defense. Yeah, I mean, we've had... Devin Singletary showed some flashes of elusiveness and being able to dart through the tackles, but never to this level, I believe. And They've been trying to utilize, whether it's Naheem Hines or uh, uh, signing TJ Yeldon, uh, trying to utilize a pass-catching running back for maybe the last few years. Mm -hmm. It's just, regardless of the offensive coordinator, whether it was Dayball or uh, uh, Dorsey, no one seemed to know how to use these guys, and apparently uh, Joe Brady actually does. And you mentioned Christian McCaffrey. That's some pretty good company that he's in because uh, – Christian McCaffrey is the uh, all-purpose yards leader, and I think uh, James Cook might be second, or at least if he's third, he's only he's not that far behind. Uh, yeah, he's second or third. Uh, for who's the guy in Jacksonville? Etienne, yeah. And Travis Etienne, right. Uh, so we had 221 all-purpose yards in this game. That's the most by a bill since Thurman Thomas week one of 1991. I remember that game against Miami. It was an opening day game. Uh, where he had 100 yards both receiving and rushing, and he had, uh, I think he had both receiving and rushing touchdown, and also the first time a Bill has done that since that particular game. Uh, these amazing stats, like contact behind the line of scrimmage only once Cook was, averaged 4.2 yards per carry before being touched. That's the third player in the last two years to do that. I mean, he's he's running with patience. You can see him waiting for the holes if you're looking at all 22 or end zone angles. He's seeing daylight. He's making cuts. He's being patient. He's not trying to, you know, just run straight through the gap he's supposed to. He's trying to find the holes, whether they're the intentional ones or not. And that's something that those of us who grew up in the 90s watching Thurman, you know, remember very much. You know, Thurman was not a fast running back, but he was a patient running back. He knew where to run and he knew how to cut back. Not as much as uh, his uh, Oklahoma State cohort, Barry Sanders, but uh, Thurman had his moments. Yeah, he has, he had a couple moments for sure. Yeah, it's it's a beautiful thing to see. Honestly, one of my favorite things, you don't get to see it a lot in the NFL nowadays, when a team 
just has no answer stopping the run game and a, and a running back like that getting the kind of volume James Cook had. And there's just something that's nice to see that. And just it's nice to have. And that's what Sean McDermott has preached a lot this year, too, or in the last couple of years. Like, it's nice to have that multi-dimensional offense and you can lean on that, guys. But as much as we want to talk about James Cook, that offensive line has been they've rated out high on pretty much every metric that you want to talk about. They've had a very strong year in the past game protecting Josh Allen. But obviously in the run game, it's making a huge difference, too. You mentioned that 4.2 yards before contact. Like that doesn't happen without the offensive line putting these guys on skates. And we talked about, or you mentioned the the light box that the Cowboys were defending the Bills with. Um, well, it's it not was, just the light box; it's just that they have light personnel. That's yeah, and the, and yeah. they're playing and they're playing with a team that's designed for pass coverage. Like yeah, and the, and that's everything else too. But you would still hope, like it's if you're the Cowboys with this game it feels like every other big late year Cowboys loss where they get pushed around. And like you, I don't understand how you, the NFC is so weird to me just from a big picture, because it might just be the Niners destroying everybody because it feels like the Eagles and the Cowboys both just got dominated by the Niners both (laughs) times when they played them, not just on the field and on the scoreboard, but get pushed around. And then you see the Cowboys playing a bills team who, we haven't seen this from them this year, Put just, you know, a dominating performance like that, I guess. It, I mean, I guess there have been some dominating performances, but not like this on the ground with Cook and against one of these bigger teams. There's been inconsistency, and that's what I'm worried about. We'll get into later on with Sunday is they've had two great games. Are these still the inconsistent builds, or are they not? But this felt like they built on momentum from the Chiefs game, unlike they have really the rest of this year. Like there was a formula, like you saw, you, there was reasoning for it, not just chaos throughout the year. You know what I mean? Well, I don't think anybody thought that this was going to be the formula, just run, run, <laughs> run until well, yeah. the wheel fell off. Uh, of note, aside from the fact that Dallas has a lighter uh, built for speed defense that are vulnerable, they've been known to be vulnerable against the run, but not necessarily like this. Joe Brady said going in that this was not the game plan to run 49 times. He basically... Uh, change his game plan plan on the fly, which is very good. We want that from an offensive coordinator who's not just going to stick to the game plan no matter what. You're going to see how the game is developing, and then uh, sort of like uh, how uh, Bruce Nolan was saying, you know, sometimes if you keep throwing rock and rock paper scissors, and you keep winning, then why not just keep throwing rock? Uh, one thing I want to note is uh, people might not be aware: a defensive tackle named Jonathan Hankins, who was Dallas's best run stuffer, they were without in this particular game. So imagine us without, uh, you know, Daquan Jones or uh, uh, who's the new guy I'm blanking on now that we got off free agency. La- Puna? P- Puna Ford? He, he's been inactive for most of the time. Oh, yeah. That's what I was, not, I was trying to think. Of. Oh, um, why am I blanking on this guy's name, too? The we really got to get a guy. roster in front of us so we yes, can remember names. I know. Here. My Listen, we're, we're right at the holidays. It's one of those Basically, days. if we were without one of our big run-stuffing defensive tackles, how well would we do against the run? So uh, as far as whether this is sustainable or not, uh, I think the Cowboys are kind of an exception to all this. Linval Joseph. Linval Thank Joseph. You. So, apologies to him because he's been doing pretty well. Yeah, he's been a great addition. Listen, there's a lot of names to remember out here. We, we can't can't get them all right on the recall. You know, we were, we, we'll get on it today, though. The yeah, what else do you have to say about this uh this Cowboys win? Because I feel like 
James Cook, if this offensive line can win in the trenches like this in the deep end, well, I guess I want to talk more about the defense too and where they've been at because the defensive line was dominant again, getting pressure in Dak's face, but there was a lot of encouraging signs from this defense in this game. And it, it, there was great play on all levels. Benford had a couple splash plays. Um, we saw, you know, Terrell Bernard is still just the story of Terrell Bernard this season is incredible because I didn't doubt, I wasn't like a hater of Terrell Bernard, but it was like a worthy gamble. Like, I guess you gotta, you gotta see what you got in the guy. And he's been more than solid and really, a taking really tough spot. Tremaine. Yeah. Yeah. Taking over for Tremaine and also then being the leader once Matt Milano goes out too. And he's playing with Dorian and, and Dotson and, and kind of bringing them along. So it's been impressive. But what's the most encouraging thing? What do you think the biggest thing you've seen from McDermott the last couple of weeks against Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott? And they put up, you know, 27 total points. That's, that's a win. Like you take that all the time. So what have you seen from McDermott's defense? Well, the defense has gotten help from Linval Joseph and was Sewell Douglas coming in as far as uh, us missing Daquan Jones and uh, Trey White. But uh, missing Matt Milano in the middle has pretty been the big, pretty much been the biggest hole that they've had on defense. So Terrell Bernard taking up and stepping up and taking over that leadership role. Uh, he's becoming an asset in coverage. He's making plays. He's courting the courting the defense pre-snap. He's he's twelfth in the NFL in tackles right now. So he's being productive and he's coordinating everybody on the field. And that's pretty much uh, one of the big aspects of uh, being that middle middle of the field linebacker. It's not just, you know, pulling double duty as both a possible run stuffer, pass rusher and coverage guy. But you've got to make sure everybody's where they're supposed to be. And that's really, I think, been one of the things missing in the middle of the season for the Bills defense is with all this leadership, you know, and playmakers out, other guys have had, have to step up in not just playmaking roles, but leadership roles. And uh, over the last three or four games, give or take, uh, with the exception, maybe the Eagles game in the second half, uh, they've been pretty much doing that. Yeah, it's been, it's been a fun run. So now we'll get into the next game. I think that's pretty much all we need to cover. It was, that was just a fun fun afternoon a fun late evening in orchard park watching at home everything like just to yeah. to witness that beat down it it felt like a big game going into it and then you just saw in the first couple of drives like oh the bills are yeah they're pushing these guys around just some, just some notes that i want to throw out there this was uh dallas's largest halftime deficit in the last three years wow. they had no plays over 20 yards if you saw uh uh, Dak Prescott's, uh, you know, throw chart. He basically had two attempts over 20 yards. Uh, obviously, the Cowboys made some bonehead uh, penalties, like uh, the attempted block, which run, resulted in a running into the kicker. Who knows what, what, how that might have changed the, uh, the complexion of the game if they actually got a block and a short field or even a touchdown off of that. But uh, uh, the passing, the passing game was virtually non-existent. I mean. Allen threw the fewest amount of pass attempts in the game since replacing uh, Nate Peterman in week one of 2018, his first action in the NFL. He's thrown the ball more than 15 times in every game, except when he was sad for the playoffs versus the Jets in the, in the end of the season game. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, but the, but for the bills passing game, there is one little concern. They they've had drops in the 14.5% of pass attempts. And that's the worst in the NFL in the last five games. Anyway, uh, for some reason, uh, besides the fact that uh, 
Allen doesn't seem to trust Gabe Davis in big game in big time situations, whether it's not being on the same page and not seeing him wide open or seeing him wide open and not throwing to him. Uh, the wide receivers as a whole have been non-existent. And when they've been called on, either it's Kincaid dropping a couple of passes, which may have been because of the leather, leathery gloves where they were expecting rain, which, by the way, according to Jerry Jones, was a big factor in this game, yeah. apparently, yeah. which we weren't aware of. Uh, Dick seems to be dropping one every other game, or at least a couple, especially out of those uh, wide receiver screen uh, plays that uh, – I'm not sure what they're trying to accomplish here. Maybe it's the only thing they can do because the defenses are keying so much on digs downfield. Uh, I think he was asked about that, that he, you know, whatever his lack of production is, it's not necessarily on him because he's doing everything he needs to do. Uh, I think there's been some disagreement as to whether he's really being uh, double covered or not. Uh, I think someone on the, one of the defenses tweeted that, yeah, we're double covering him, but uh, maybe, other people like in cover one, other 20, all 22 observers think they aren't. So we're, I'm not exactly sure what uh, the lack of production for the receivers is. Maybe Joe Brady's just trying to establish his running backs, his tight ends yeah. as, you know, secondary, third, third area options, however you want to call it. And, uh, you know, draw, start drawing the defenses into the, both the run game and the short passing game. So we can open up the long passing game. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, but uh, it's nice to know that, uh, uh, Josh Allen has options or even can just sit back, you know, uh, basically sit on a lawn chair and just watch the game, you know, unfold <laughs> and win the game anyway. Well, that's the, that's the thing that I, I wonder if Joe Brady has looked at it and Diggs is awesome, obviously, but you know that maybe he's not getting doubled all the time, but there's definitely bracketing and things happening to him. Um, but they could feed him the ball more if they wanted to still. Mm. And I wonder if he's looking at it and sees like has just such a deep belief in cook as a weapon on the tier of a digs at in this point in this role in this offense, the way teams are keying in on him. And it's like, well, let's just get him these touches because it's been a lot of cook in the passing. It's been a lot of running backs. And like you said, Kincaid, even though he had some drops this week, it's been Kincaid heavy in the passing game for the last couple of weeks. A lot of Cook shot plays rather than a Gabe Davis shot play or a guy like Deontay Hardy who's starting, you know, we we were wondering where he was going to be all year. And they're just like, he, like he's not going to have a role in this offense at all. Trent Sherfield's basically a run blocker for them. So it's not like they're not taking a lot of shots. You're right. And I wonder if they're just trying to find other things that work for them if teams try to make them methodical, which it seems like they've done a good job of like the, the big chunk plays have not been there for the bills a whole lot this season. Um, no 99 yard touchdown to Gabe Davis or anything like that. Like it's been, it's uh, it's been a the similar scheme, but they've had to attack these defenses much differently this year. And I think it's been hard. That's why I think Allen, however his season ends, it's been the most impressive Josh Allen season, most complete Josh Allen season we've had yet. Cause he's like, he's finally, figuring out points and moments of what he needs to do in certain games and doing enough. A lot of these games, Allen did enough to win when it came down to it, like in the fourth quarter and, and trying to get things done. And he goes off the field and the defense comes up short in moments. We've talked about that to death, you know, uh, this season, but it's happened on multiple occasions. Allen um, being just – not a game manager, but you know what I mean in this role with Brady is the most interesting development, I think. Well, he's sliding more, of course, which is a relief to see. And he's throwing the ball away when the play isn't there or to be made. 
So he's being a lot smarter with it. Uh, as far as receiving goes, actually, Stephon Diggs was the leading receiver in this game, only with yeah. four catches for 48 yards. James Cook had a couple others, including the touchdown. So there wasn't actually a whole lot of James Cook catching the ball, except outside of the big touchdown catch. Um, I'd say Diggs had a couple of a good downfield, actually, uh, receptions, like a 20-yard. It was a pass to the 20-yard on that first drive. Yeah. So Diggs had, and he, you could tell he was actually feeling pretty good about that. That he, he felt like it was being a, a part of the the game plan there and making significant plays as opposed to you know the usual screen passes that we've seen him get thrown to the outside and sometimes not not able to handle them. So, uh, but under Dorsey, Diggs was averaging. I've got the numbers here: seven point four receptions on ten point two targets. Averaging 86 yards uh, a game with 0.7 touchdowns per game. Four games under Brady, Dix has gone to four and a half receptions on 8.75 targets, uh, 43 yards a game and 0.5 touchdowns. So is it because Brady, like we said, is trying to utilize more options in the pass game? Are they keying on Diggs more? Are we trying just to just not force the ball to him because now uh, Allen knows he's at, he has options and they're being utilized for a change? Uh, either way, we know Diggs still has that dog in him, as they say, and we sh- we saw flashes of that in this in this uh, previous game. As much as it was the James Cook show, we know that uh, if Allen needs a big third down play downfield, he can count on at least one look to Diggs. That's true. He's still it's still the still a deadly connection when they want it to be, and that could be part of it too, as they like you're saying they establish all these other parts of the offense, and then Miami Week 18, they're like, here's the Stefan Diggs game. And and he's he could have that in the next any of the next three weeks, um, maybe this weekend against a haphazard defense, which we'll get into that Chargers game at the end to talk. But let's look at the let's move on to the AFC playoff picture, and we have a couple of key games that we wanted to go through here after last week. Starting off, the Bengals were minus two and a half at the Steelers this weekend. No Jamar Chase playing for the Bengals. Hmm. Uh, Jake Browning without his best target at the Steelers who are playing for their season, for their lives. They're desperate. They're putting in Mason Rudolph, but it's going to be rocking at Acrisure Stadium. I'm pretty sure it is now. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> any thoughts there on this game? I mean, Jake Browning's looking a lot better than certainly the Vikings thought of him, which which you can tell by his comments on the yeah. field. Um, the Bengals are not dead yet, nope. despite not having Joe Burrow, and maybe with even without their top receiver, I would not count them out. Count them out in this game, especially against the Steelers, who are just uh, one week they look like they can just be, you know, the most lucky team on earth and just find ways to win against uh, teams that they have no business being. Another night, uh, other uh, weeks, they look like the hapless team that we all figure them to be. Yeah. You know how much Steeler bullshit as uh, your name tree might say is going to be happening <laughs> in this game is remains to be seen. But uh, I would, I would have a good feeling about the Bengals in this game, as long as uh, uh, Jake Browning continues to perform the way he has. Yeah. I think the Steelers feel like a lame duck team to me at this point. It's pretty, uh, it's, pr- it's pretty tough when you're going back Mason Rudolph, the fact that they've gone to him as a backup in all so many of these situations over the last couple of years, it feels like the, breaking case of emergency button for this Steelers team, but it would be really helpful to the Bills uh, playoff chances to get a Bengals loss here. They're tied with them at eight and six, obviously have the head to head. 
are over them in the wild card race at the moment. Um, another big game to the wild card race and another backup quarterback. The Browns. This game is in, I think this game is in Houston. Um, the Browns and the Texans. Browns are favored by two and a half because Case Keatum is starting again for the Houston Texans. I, I, don't, I think when they, they were thinking of this game, I don't think that anybody was predicting Joe Flacco versus Case Keenum, but <laughs> that's where we're at in the NFL season this year. The Browns defense, the so if the Bills, essentially the Bills right now, if they win out, they're going to win the division. And they're most likely playoff opponent if they are the four seed and win the division would be this Cleveland Browns team. Hmm. And that's a matchup that it terrifies me in a lot of different ways. One as a Kent state graduate, it terrifies me with all the, my Browns fans, friends that I would have to deal with for prior to that week. But another way is that it feels like if there's anybody who can just keep up with running around with Josh Allen, it's Miles Garrett after what Miles Garrett is a weapon. Miles Garrett, if there's a defensive weapons, there's a couple guys in the league who are like offensive defensive players that when you're on the field, they have as much of a chance of doing something impactful. That's Miles Garrett. And that would terrify me to have them come into one Bills drive. And so I don't know what I'm what I'm getting to here, except that the, I think the Browns are ter- a terrifying matchup for the Bills, and I would much rather play this Texans team or the Colts or the Bengals than than running into the Browns if possible. If we're mm-hmm. talking looking very far ahead to a playoff matchup, I would say Case Keem is going to need a Minnesota miracle to beat the Browns. Uh, <laughs> although the Browns nearly got beaten by a miracle, if uh, one of the uh, Bears receivers can actually, you know, oh my God. not have omits for hands. But uh, <laughs> I'm sure you got an up close look at that. I was locked in. Down. Yeah. Um. So no, I no. mean, you got you got to give credit to Joe Flacco. He's balling out. He was throwing around for like 200 yards in the fourth quarter alone, or something like that. That's what terrifies me the most about the Browns at this point, too. Is Joe Flacco legit argument? He's the best new Browns quarterback ever the way he's playing right now like maybe you could say I don't know there's not a lot of competition in this area but he's playing as well as anybody ever has and all he has to do is do this for like like the thing about Joe Flacco is you don't want him for a whole season but if he could have he could definitely string together six out of seven good games and maybe four in a row to win a Super Bowl and they're set up like is Joe Flacco in his current form much worse than Kirk Cousins ever was in the Stefanski offense in Minnesota? Like, I feel like Joe Flacco is kind of perfect in this system. Like, old guy Joe Flacco, too. Just like, don't make mistakes. You're going to have outlets everywhere. Just make the right decision on most of these plays. It's a lot of play action, so the field's opened up. We know how good the Browns' run game has been, even without Nick Chubb. Like, it's, it's he might be the best quarter, Browns quarterback in their new history. Would you say he's an elite Browns quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> I, I dare I would. I dare, I would. So that would, the Browns are terrifying. I think they're going to smack up the Texans in this game. I think two and a half. Is, you know what? With uh, Joe Flacco on that team, with that uh, last second Hail, Hail Mary, I'm not surpri- I'm surprised that Flacco didn't run out on that field to deflect that ball down. You know? <laughs> For those of you who watched NFL films uh, during the Super Bowl, he was actually encouraging his teammates uh, 
at the end of a game, uh, I think it was uh, 2012 against the yeah. 49ers or whatever, when they were kicking off to the 49ers and he's on the sideline saying, hey, if he breaks it, tackle him. Just go on the field and tackle him. I don't know what the rule is. <laughs> but he's not above going out there and, you know, just running out from the sidelines and breaking up plays regardless of what the consequences may be, which I'm, I'm not even sure what they are anyway. I don't know either. That's a good idea, though. That's a great – just anybody get out there. Don't let him – they can't give him a touchdown. He's right. Like, What are they going to do, penalize you 15 yards? <laughs> At the end of the game. Although, you know, if it, it counts as a defensive penalty, I guess the game, game can't end on that, but at least you have a chance. Exactly, yeah. He's not scoring a touchdown. Got another chance. That's Joe Flacco. That's why he's back around and, and thriving in the NFL this year. All right, the big game we need to talk about, Cowboys at the Dolphins. Hmm. Um, normally in normal circumstances, we'd say, you know, let a meteor hit the stadium and we hope we just <laughs> beat each other to hell or whatever. And we reminisce about, you know, Leon letting the Thanksgiving day game all the way, you know, uh, back in 93. But, uh, I mean, this is pretty clear and obvious as much as it, you know, might, uh, give us, uh, you know, cases of the stomach bug or whatever we might be feeling. Uh, we have to root for the Cowboys in this particular instance, hopefully yeah. that they're, they're licking their wounds and they're feeling embarrassed and they want to go out and hurt somebody and establish, Hey, this is not like all the other years we've, where we've had December swoons and we've started, you know, folding late in the season. Uh, hopefully the Cowboys go out and, you know, light up the dolphins because the dolphins, uh, certain people put more stock into it. Other people might not, but, uh, I mean, it's statistically proven that the dolphins so far this season have not beaten anybody above 500. I don't know if anybody that they have beaten has since gotten to 500 or above. Maybe I think the, uh, Depends on what the record the Broncos are at this point. I forgot that off the top of my head, but uh, they haven't been beating winning teams thus far. Uh, Broncos are seven and seven. They don't count as a winning team at this particular juncture. But uh, until the Dolphins do it, you know we're going to believe that they can't. So I like the Cowboys in this particular instance. As long as the Dolphins don't have you know a superior running game that they can just you know force down the Cowboys' throats for fifty carries a game, then. I think uh, with their receivers, with a lot of with the injuries they have had, they had going into the Jets game, we thought that they might be vulnerable to the Jets. They had a good defense. Uh, they were feeling themselves a little bit, maybe a little too much, and then they just got blown away. But uh, the Cowboys, I expect to present a more formidable challenge than the Jets. Suck, suck, suck. Well, that was a. I had some hope for the the Jets in that game going into it. Like, oh, maybe they'll keep it close for a little bit. That was atrocious. That was a, a piss-poor effort for sure, just all around. I, I, I mean, guess you just have to – you can't trust a Zach Wilson on the road. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. The the Dolphins' off defense will be able to play offense today too. That's It's tough to play – tough to be scoring points, uh, outscoring yourself and the Dolphins, especially with the attack they have. I guess the big thing about this game – yeah, obviously you want the Cowboys to win. Um, I don't think – I think that the Dolphins at home will – I think that they'll be able to take the Cowboys, and I think we're going into a stressful mm. next week, honestly. Um, I do think the Ravens will decimate the Dolphins next week. But this matchup feels like it's a good matchup for the Dolphins. A lot, a lot of man defense from the Cowboys, a lot of man beaters, and also just the run game. Like Moser – it's going to be a lot of Moser in a chain this whole game, and I don't think the Cowboys are going to be able to stop it. Uh, a lot of teams haven't been able to stop it this year. So I think the Dolphins kind of control the pace the whole time through this. Hmm. We shall it's not be. as fun. <laughs> it's not, not as fun. It, it'll be making a much more stressful week 17. But I do think the Ravens 
Ravens are going to whoop the Dolphins' ass. And then the Bills will – well, let's see what the Bills will do on Saturday first as we have the Chargers preview. And I'm going to start with the easy one because let's, – Let's let's start, uh, if I may, let's start with the advantages for the Chargers. because You I read think- my mind because <laughs> it's a pretty easy conversation. What are your advantages? Well, uh, they have a new coach. It's their special teams guy off the top of my head. I don't know his name, but he's pretty well liked there. He ran a pretty good special teams unit for what's worth. Uh, it means not knowing what to expect from his play calling and game management. Will he have, as a st- special teams guy, will he have some trick uh, fake punts or kicks up his sleeve? Mm-hmm. Who knows? Uh, this is this is indeed often a spark for a team coming off a coach firing. Think of the Raiders this year. Think of uh, Jeff Saturday with the Colts, Steve Wilkes with the Panthers. Uh, at least in the immediate week after uh, players, because they want to prove that, uh, you know, it wasn't the coach. It was, wasn't us. It was the coach all along. They want to go out there and show that, Hey, the shackles are off of us, whatever they might be or consist of. And we're actually a good team and we can actually hang with anybody. Uh, the chargers are on a long week coming off a Thursday game. The bills are on a shorter week coming from uh, uh, they're going to a Saturday game. Uh Joey Bosa is still on IR, but the pass rush is pretty formidable, although maybe not without Joey Bosa in the since he's been on IR, so maybe we should leave that aside. Uh, if you look at the statistics for that Thursday night game, the Chargers weren't really so much outplayed. They were just out-turnovered. Uh, they gave up short fields on five turnovers for uh, scoring plays and drives. All Other than that, all the metrics for like first downs and yardage and such, they pretty lined pretty much lined up between the the Chargers and the Raiders. So it's not like they were essentially outplayed or just outmuscled or anything. They just kept turning the ball over and giving the Raiders easy scoring chances or even throwing pick sixes, of course. Um, So the biggest advantage the Chargers have is probably the short week and basically the unknown as far as what does this new coaching staff like to do and call. That's so well said. Just the unknown. The Bills just don't know what's coming at them. It is that the coach, the coaches, uh, the coaching's bump is the biggest thing I'm worried about. The interim coaches bump, just having a new energy in there. Cause that team, the turnovers and everything else, it looked like a team that just gave up on national TV. And that's not something you see often in this league. And that's why there was such a swift, uh, you know, removal of Staley and Telesco. Um, I'm not, I've never been a Brandon Staley fan, so I really think that this is a it, the team will be at least have some energy coming to this game. But the Bills are still in desperation mode too, and so it, it's going to be like I love a good underdog story. It's like twelve and a half points and everything else. the The Chargers' biggest advantage for me is hoping that you. It's I'm trying to find the right way to put this. The the Chargers' biggest advantage in me is hoping that the Bills are play Taking down to your competition again. Yeah. yeah. Like not I like I didn't want to just say, yeah, like play just playing down to the competition and just fucking around again because this Bills team has been their own worst enemy and this chart and this this game could end up I would not be shocked if it's like 13 to 10 at halftime or something like that. And this Chargers team of proud younger guys finds a way to battle back because this Bills team has been lackadaisical through the year. So I honestly think their biggest advantage is if they take it to the Bills early, you know what type of team this Bills team has been this last couple, this year. 
And that could be the biggest thing is they really have nothing to lose. And if the Bills get tight early, all of a sudden it's a whole new game the rest of the time because you give them that, that Chargers, that spark. It's, it's, it's a tough night. It's going gonna, it's gonna to turn into a long night. It's a stressful night. Yeah, I've had that, uh, you know, Star Wars, I have a bad feeling about this uh, <laughs> thoughts leading in this game. The more I hear about how desperate the Chargers are without uh, Justin uh, Herbert, without uh, Keenan Allen, and a couple other guys that they're missing, Joey Bosa, we also we already mentioned, it it feels like one of those NFL games where coming in, one team is just hapless, the other team's on a roll, and you think this is just going to go one way. And even if it, even if the team that is favored ends up winning it, it becomes more of a struggle than you ever would have predicted in your wildest dreams. So, I mean, it's, the NFL is weird sometimes, you know, players can, you know, get energized for the weirdest reasons, whether they feel slighted or they feel, you know, uh, they feel like chance. Yeah. Maybe playing for jobs too. Like if this whole organization is under, you know, this whole organization is going to be completely uprooted this off season. It's going to be new guys in there. Like, Fringe guys, guys whose contracts are up, like whether it's this job or your next job, like you gotta you gotta put some good tape out there for the last three weeks of the season. So yeah, it's it's uh it's a lot of I like the way you put it, the unknown for for the Chargers and just like knowing that this Bills team has gotten tight in all these so many games this year that if you guys come out focused and locked in together, you can make it a game. Uh, but for the Bills, hmm. there's. Ask me what's the biggest advantage for the Bills. What's the biggest advantage for the Bills? Everything else. <laughs> uh, yeah. I heard uh, that the Los Angeles Chargers have the worst rushing success this year in the last decade. And I'm sure I could oh rattle off God. a few other statistics about how bad the Chargers have been. I mean, I just mentioned, they're without their star quarterback, without the star wide receiver, without their star pass rusher. I mean, what more do you need? We should, the Bills should just dissect these guys you know they should be toying with them essentially with uh, james cook with uh, stefan diggs with dalton kincaid and every weapon at their disposal yeah i mean it's that that's pretty pretty straightforward with what the bills need to do here they just need to go and take care of business act like this is a business trip you you come out it's christmas eve you can go celebrate with the family whatever you need but go out there and have a good taste in your mouth leaving this game because easton sticks and Sean McDermott is, has been encouraging against backup quarterbacks in his Bills career. So I think that there will be a decent plan for Easton Stick for him to not be effective. It's really just the Bills. If they get in their own way, they don't win this game. If they start turning the ball over, if the defense starts missing tackles, if they are not ready for the trick plays, they do dumb clock management things throughout the game. That's really what's going to hurt them the most. But yeah, the biggest advantage really is just everything. And I think Josh Allen and James Cook run the ball all over. Again, Diggs gets a touchdown in this game in the Bills. It's it's like an academic 34 to 13 win or something like that. Best plan for Easton Stick is to get an endorsement deal for uh, hockey gear or something like that. What a name. Like, mm. like what a what a weird algorithm simulation know based that. name. I mean, with oh. a last name like Stick, I guess you know it's a natural fit. They must have uh, imagined him becoming, you know, a, a hockey player. Yeah. Maybe. It's branding right there. If he's if he's a famous hockey player, who's why is Easton not calling him right away? And they're like, hey, let's do some business. Let's go. Football quarterback, solid solid gig too. Backup quarterback, getting a start on Peacock. The first ever commercial free fourth quarter on Saturday on Peacock. 
And as wrestling fans, we already have our Peacock uh, locked in. Locked in. I don't know about you. I know I have mine. But uh, yep. as far as the the, the local Buffalo market is going to be showing it on TV. So if you're in Rochester and other outlying cities, you're going to have to you know sign up for the Peacock or other things we could call it. But we'll <laughs> on the screen. Yeah, um, it should be should be fun. I think that that fourth quarter hopefully will be commercial free and it'll be the benefit to everybody because the bills will be up 31 points already. And everybody's just like, all right, can we, can we wrap this thing up, get on our flight back home? You know what I'm saying? That's really what, uh, what do you think the crowd's going to be like there? Cause notably charger clouds or charger crowds are away fan dominated. Do you think there's going to be a lot of bills fans that make the trip? Of course. There's already a lot of bills fans in Los Angeles as it that's is true. going out to Los Angeles during the winter. That's a nice little, uh, I mean, it might just be a Bills home game there. It might be like 70, 30 Bills fans at this rate. I mean, if you want to spend Christmas in Los Angeles without any snow, I mean, you're you're going to spend it in Buffalo without snow, apparently, as it is. So why not spend it someplace, you know, uh, uh, nice, I guess. Yeah, get to the ocean. Sure, why not? I love it. All right, Mike, so what's your score prediction then? Uh, Why not 31-10? I mean... Just back it up. That's right. Same formula. James Cook over, under... 150 yards rushing. Ooh. Against the chart. Uh, hmm. I'll, I'll say under just because I don't expect him to light it up every game, but I'll definitely say over 150 yards total. Okay. I like pass. that. Stefan Diggs touchdown. Mm. Sure. Why not? All right. I think, I think he's been overdue. All right. I like it. I, I have great vibes of the, uh, for this game. The, the 49ers Monday night in 2020. That's what I feel like this game is about to be. Lame duck team that was supposed to be a contender, kind of got their whole situation messed up, came in there, night game, and just went to work. Although that game did start off, uh, I think, pretty precarious. It was like 7 nothing early, and then they started it with a drive at their own one-yard line. But... Hmm. It ended up a beatdown. So hopefully that doesn't happen. I don't really want any tension Saturday night. I'd like a nice night sitting around, have a beer in my hand, and just the Bills running up and down the field. Because that was a nice Sunday, uh, last Sunday, on our last bit of Victory Thursday here. But thank you all for joining. We paid the Bills for Mike Partham. This is Jake Michael. Go Bills. See you Saturday night. Good night now.